Welcome to Quota Queens, where we talk and giggle about being women in tech sales. Welcome to Quota Queens. We are so excited today to have Amy Bolas. Amy, I wrote down, I'm literally like reading off of a note here for your intro because you have so many qualifications, accolades, accomplishments. So Amy is the founder and CEO of Talent Avenue Partners, which helps startups hire executive leaders without the cringe, which I love. Amy has founded three companies, closed over $100 million, is a partner at a venture capital firm, and is an advisor to startups, and also runs Thursday Night Sales with one of our previous guests, Scott Lees. Amy also has a great sales podcast called Tales from the Field. But more than that, Amy, I think people just love your content because you're always spot on and really lead with empathy, but also have the most intelligent insights, which is really why I started following you. So I uh, I think that's kind of what draws a lot of people in and, and you know, even on top of all of your accomplishments. So yeah, we are so excited to have you on. Welcome, Amy. Well, thank you, ladies. Um, It's hard to hear all those things about myself. So I'm working on that. So I'll just say thank you. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Imposter syndrome is definitely something that we have talked about a lot on this podcast. So definitely, definitely nice to hear that even someone like you might have, you know, some of those feelings as well. And I think something that I have, you know, kind of top of mind, I've seen you writing a little bit about this, but I think something that a lot of people are thinking about right now is, you know, what's going on in tech and like, what is your take on on all of that? I, I think everyone would want to hear that kind of out of the gate. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of things. And it's funny, I just was talking to another woman CEO about this. And she's been around longer than I've even been around. And we're just talking about the fact that we've witnessed other corrections or downturns or recessions. I don't think we're in a recession. I think we might get in one. What goes up comes down. That's just history. And if you look through history, it happens about every 10 years. But what's happening in tech, I don't think that that is, that that's synonymous today. might change and, and it will change. But today, it's more like over the last year, it's just not sustainable. You can't, there was so much money flying around. The market was super frothy. And you had a lot of companies that got a lot of money that they should have never received. And that's the hard truth in my opinion, where it's like, you can't expect to give somebody money and have a 50 X multiplier and have that be sustainable. It's not. And so when that happens, you have a lot of companies that receive money that, like I said, should never get it because the market isn't validated because um, the product isn't really there yet for whatever it is that they're trying to do. And so then you get money and it's like this pre-manufactured facade of actually being in a place that you shouldn't be in yet. Maybe not at all, depending on things. And if we look back, there's a reason why in the startup or in tech world, when you're starting up a company, and I, I deal with startups specifically, so I look at it from that lens, but there's a reason why 
the stats are the stats out of every company that starts, there's only a handful, like the odds are against you. It's hard. And just because you're smart and just because you have a good product doesn't mean that the market wants it. And the market will always speak the loudest. And I said that today on my posting, you just have to listen. And a lot of people weren't listening. And there was so much money flying around. People got a lot of a lot of money with a big expectation. And to meet that expectation, there were a lot of bodies thrown at that. So the very first thing that happens when you get money is I have to grow. And a lot of folks didn't stop to think first. They just went on a hiring spree. And so you have a lot of people that were hired. And then it creates this other part of the market where you have opportunity that's being created that shouldn't even be created. You have a lot of people that are getting jobs that shouldn't have those jobs because they haven't mastered their craft yet. And so I've said to people, you better be really careful about the moves that you're making right now, because if you're going just for the shiniest object, which is money or the dream of upside or whatever it might be, or all this equity gets that gets thrown at you, equity means nothing unless something happens with the company. And in my 25 years, I've only had two events of equity. One was really? an acquisition. One was an IPO. Just two. And I've been part of other companies. <laughs> the odds yeah. are not there. So if you went just for the money and you're the last one in and you're the most handsomely rewarded and you're not that good at your job, and there's a lot of that, sadly. Is there really? Yeah, there is. I mean, it's you so have look at this. I, I just think sometimes, you know, the economics of it, right, these companies that have had these enormous valuations, to your point, was maybe not list, they weren't listening to the market. However, valuations should be based on revenue. You should have that 50x multiplier or the 20x multiplier to even achieve that enormous valuation that was happening. And I think now those valuations are being poked at because the market doesn't believe them for many reasons, right? One of those being these hiring sprees, the money being cheap, and now it's not so cheap. It's nerve wracking when you're in the company now from Daisy and my perspective, being part of Canva, you know, where the product is great. However, we're scared. Who knows what the market will be? We thought we made a bold yet thoughtful move by joining. However, we don't know. And, and, and it's a confusing, nebulous world for us. Well, it's, that's fear, right? And, and that's a normal emotion. Um, revenue is one thing. Burn is a completely different ball of wax. So you can be making money, but if you're spending more money than you're making or your revenue isn't exactly where it needs to be. So I know a lot of companies and I won't name anybody, but I understand a lot of things behind the scenes where companies, there's one in particular that I'm thinking of, their valuation was huge. They had, it's like almost a hundred million or over a hundred million dollars in funding and their revenue was less than a million dollars. Wow. And they went on a hiring spree. And so, you know, that's a problem. And it's, you know, the, the, the other problem is because the market was so crazy that, and I'll go back to your point about being afraid in a second, but this is something that I think people should be aware of as well. The market was so crazy. There wasn't 
there wasn't, we had a supply and demand issue where for the number of open jobs, there weren't enough people to fill those jobs. And that's what I mean by the mediocrity. You have people that have one or two years of sales experience as SDRs and no other experience, like nothing transferable beyond what happened in college, getting $100,000 plus roles. And what you have to understand is if you got that role, you're going to have to do $100,000 plus worth, worth of work to pay yourself back. And if you have not mastered your craft, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when, when people would be like, well, I've got this other job and it pays me more, but does it help you master your craft? Are they going to be supportive of where you are in your career and the evolution of your career? And if the answer is no, and you're just thrown to the wolves, You'll never make that upside money that they promised you in the first place. And that 100K is going to go as fast as it came. So that's what I mean by this, right? Where it's one thing to make a career decision. It's a very different thing to make a job move. And way too many people were making way too many job moves because it was follow the leader. Well, my friend over here did this or this LinkedIn posting over here did this and I don't care. Or I saw companies act poorly during COVID. So I'm going to stick it to the man and take care of myself. Well, guess what? That's a horrible way to live. Mm. That's so and interesting. That, it comes I, back. Now, Lizzie, to your thing about fear, breathe, sister. Um, whatever's going to be is going to be. You can't control what happens at Canva. All you can do, and I stand by, I'm getting this published in like the next week about how to recession proof yourself in sales. That'll be on the Avenue Talent Partners blog, not to give myself a shameless plug. As you should. <laughs> your girl's been around for a while. And what I do know is this, when things happen and you're afraid, you've got to harness that fear into the stuff that you can control. And the things that you can control is the work that you do. And the work that you do is absolutely in your wheelhouse. And so every, and and by the way, if Canva does say, well, we got a bunch of money and we're in over our heads and we're burning way too much money. And by the way, the VCs, And there's lots of rhetoric publicly and privately. If you're going to make cuts, make them now and do them deep and wide because having to continue to cut kills your culture. I actually agree with that. But just because somebody wrote that doesn't mean that you should cut if your business is good. So, you know, for for both of you, if you're freaking out, you're not going to get cut if you're good at your job and if you are moving the needle. And that's absolutely within your control. I find that people get paralyzed by fear and they stop working. Or they start interviewing. The last thing I want to be doing right now is trying to figure out if I'm in a good place that's taking care of me, the last thing I want to do is try to figure out, is this other company going to be okay? And if if crap hits the fan, am I going to be the last one out or the first one out because I was the last one in? So your pipeline, that trumps all. So when you both look at your pipelines, what is it telling you? Do you have a chock full pipeline of short-term, near-term, long-term opportunities. And if you don't, that's okay. You can correct it right now. Multi-thread. Go back in history for all the opportunities that told you no thanks.com. Go back and resurrect them and see what's up. You know, there's lots of things that you can do. Yeah. I think it's also the fear. Like I, I completely agree. And I think we're both high performers and a lot of the community we create are the people that are um, enterprise and strategic. So they're right at the precipice of of that next step, right? So we know we've crushed. And so we have more that we want to achieve. And so it's 
actually, I'm not sure if this is mercenary and I'm going to say it, but it's more to do with like, what, what the fuck do I do with my promised equity? Right. And then you're like, well, you know what? I'm just a cog in this giant machine. So you're right. All I can do is the job that I enjoy, the side hustles that I can create, and maybe whatever ecosystem I can build within the larger one of this company. Well, part of what gets you recession proof is your ability to have a network. And I really am not one to get into the whole rhetoric around personal brand. I don't like that term. I'm one that gets into professional reputation. And professional reputation is driven by what happens in front of, but most importantly, behind the scenes. And that's what creates the network that really matters of substance. Because even if Canva came to both of you and said, we're cleaning house, bye, and you're not vested and there goes your equity. If people internally saw you do the good work that you did, they're going to want to work with you again. Versus you're a bobblehead doll outside of the company and just saying all the things that everybody wants to hear and everybody knows really behind the scenes, you're worthless. And this happens a lot to (laughs) people, right? So it's like, So it's like measuring what matters in my mind. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the side hustles and you pluralized it. At least for me and right now, I'm doing actually a time study on myself to figure out where am I spending my time and is that worth it for me and trimming back because sometimes when you have your hands spread in too many different pots, no one thing gets done really, really well. And I, I believe in times like this or in any time, master the things. And it can be more than one thing. But people that tell me they're like, I've got 50 different things that I do. I question immediately, what are you even good at? Well, out of all the 50 things, what's like the one or two or three things that you're really good at? For the equity side, even if this market wasn't the case, it's always a crapshoot. Look at Theranos as a perfect example. Market yeah. was good. This wasn't happening. This woman told a really good story. People didn't even bat an eyelash. They just wrote checks. Mm-hmm. She didn't, it was all a facade. And people that went there, leaving places like Google and Meta and wherever else the people came yeah. from, they left something to go to something. So I'm a big believer, like if you're going to go, go to something, not just like table stakes of where you are. It has to help you get better. The equity is the reward if something happens by the collective, not just you. And so if something were to happen to Canva and they were to say bye-bye, you probably have 90 days to figure out, do you want to buy your options or not? That's when you should be freaking. Do I want to write a check because it's like going to Vegas and gambling? Do I want to write a check because I believe that this company will have some sort of exit or not? And that's a personal decision. But all the equity is the sum of the parts. It's like you two... And everybody else at Canva doing all the good work that needs to be done to actually have an exit. But right now, I'll tell you, it's hard to have an exit. And even if there was an exit happening right now, it wouldn't be for the numbers that people put up a year ago, unless it really was a unicorn. There were so many unicorns flying around. There's a reason why the term unicorn is a unicorn yeah. or the decacorn. I'm like, okay, could we just stop talking about like just... <laughs> Mythical animals. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're renaming the mythical animal that was supposed to drive the point home in the first place that like now we need to make it even bigger. Like calm down, Decacorn. Settle Decacorn. down right over there. I think they should make it like some female mythical 
goddess or like someone who was really misinterpreted over the years, like Cersei. That's what they should call it now. Now there's something about Aphrodite for like first. I was like, you know what? Because she's a babe. (laughs) She's like the goddess of love and and (laughs) sex. So that's what you want to think about when companies have that unicorn mentality. You'd rather call them sex. <laughs> Let's just have everybody be the goddess of love. How about yeah. that? Then, I mean, if everybody would, if, if that were a true story and it could all be about the goddess of love, we would be in a much happier place in the world. Goddess of love. Definitely. I mean, I think this is so interesting too because I'm like, this is really turning a lot of wheels for me because I think there was a lot of, sorry, I need to get closer. Um, right there's a lot of. Get on the mic. Making out with the mic. Sorry. Um, So, like, I think there was just a lot of of FOMO and you know just being like in sales in this market. You know, you're kind of feeling like, wow, a lot of my friends went out and like doubled their salary, and there are all these like people who are way younger than me who are suddenly like in my job, and it really just created like a weird. I don't know, sense of like, of probably just fear and anxiety again of being like, am I like behind? Should I be like making a move to get like more? Like, am I being left behind in this way? Do you know what I mean? And I think you're right that it was, it's not necessarily a career move. It's definitely a job move. And I think that, I don't know, it's, it's, I mean, I, I hope the market doesn't correct in a way that like, helps or hurts a lot of people but it definitely reminds me you're kind of reminding me of like it's all about your craft and your mastery of the actual job and just all of the like moves and things that are happening in tech aren't necessarily you know something to be worried about or thinking about in the long term do you I think, think- it's great too because it adds an element of personal worth and I liked what you were talking about before as it relates to your professional reputation, because I think what you're aiming to do, and obviously it's your word, so correct me if I'm wrong, but is spinning the rhetoric to have self-control, to have self-worth, which I think for women in particular and any you know, high achieving individual, but in particular for women, so much self-doubt creeps up and so much fear as we just named. However, I think you're really flipping the conversation to say like, own what you can do. And that's what you as an individual contributor and good female worker can do. Well, it's substance versus fluff. In my opinion, like it, it, so there's two things, substance versus fluff and quality versus quantity. Like that is, those are two foundational elements that I've cared about for many, many years. And, you know, Lizzie, back, back to what you were talking about when it comes to FOMO, this is the way that I think about it. FOMO is an anchor and decisiveness cuts that rope. So if, if, if it's always like, there could be something better, there could be something better guess what? There's always going to be something better, but it might not be for a long time, or you might not have been able to do the things that you need to do to get that something better. And so it's kind of like, I have a bunch of friends that are recently single and the same thing happens on the dating apps where it's like this FOMO thing of like, you meet a guy or a girl or whatever, and 
you feel really good about that. And this person's telling you what a great connection you have. And then they just ghost you. And then they come back to you like a weird boomerang. And they're like, oh yeah, but I was dating a few other people and I really wanted to be with you. Like what? Thank God I'm not dating today. You know, like. I, yeah. yeah. Dating and sales are synonymous. They And recruiting. I mean, they're all, they all have major similarity, but it's like. I guess if you really look at it, there could always be somebody better, but it will hold you back if you can't make a decision. And so that's the thing is, and it's one of the reasons why I'm so outspoken about the power of using something like a journal before you even get to a scorecard, because ultimately there's so much rhetoric. You know, you have podcasts, you have content. These are all things that I contribute to as well. But it, nobody really knows me better than I know myself even if it's scary to know myself. And by the way, sometimes it is. But it's why I like the way that I journal so that I can actually listen to myself. And, you know, I know, Daisy, you were listening to the John Barrows podcast where I talked, he and I talked a lot about this, where it's like, well, how do you know? Everybody asked me, how do you know? I'm like, you listen to yourself. So much, we just go on autopilot. Or it's like, I don't really want to deal with that. And it's easier to just kind of like work around it than through it. You'll always have to go through it to conquer it. There's no around anything. You have to deal. And for me, sometimes that's really hard, but it's really good when you actually show up and say, I've been listening to myself for the last month. And I didn't even realize that this thing keeps coming up almost every day. Mm. And I just ignored it. And I actually have to deal with this thing. Yeah. And then it's, and then once you understanding you've done some of the work around that, then it's about like, okay, well, if I'm going to go, because I've done the work now and I, I realize that this thing is actually like a big thing and I've tried to work on it and nothing's changing and that's not good for me. Now it's time for me to figure out what else might be be out there. So I did a scorecard. I scored my current company. So I have a baseline. Notice how I'm not saying, and then I went to my network and then I posted about me, you know, sort of being open in this like interesting way where it would be like a little net that I cast and all these fish come my way, or I'm on Slack behind the scenes or, you know, whatever it might be. Notice how I didn't create any opportunity because if you do that first, and I actually, there's a girl that came my way recently and this horrible thing happened to her. Her boss on the way out poisoned her, like horribly. It was like I, I, I remember this. That you, I think you talked about this on the JB podcast, right? She was a high performer, and her boss on the way out told he's her. Like, I can't things. tell you. Yeah. Yes, I wanted to find this dude and literally like shake him because literally he was like, I can't tell you, but you need to know that it's really bad here. Like what? What you come like? You drop a bomb and don't even tell me what, what? And so, you know what? She ended up leaving. And the sad part is on the way out, she was still conflicted. Did she make a right decision or not? And I said to her, the problem is you took somebody else's reality, made it your own and put it out to your network. And then you were confused. Confusion isn't a great place to be. Clarity is a really great place to be. Yeah. I think that's also a really good lesson that recently I've dealt with, but it's come up for me all the time, which is, I mean, it sounds very basic, but stopping before you speak, right? Taking the time to journal and think about 
everything that might be spewing in your brain from external parties and figuring out where your true north is before you start socializing it to anyone else. And I think it is it can be hard because sometimes with Daisy, I'll just want to call her and emotionally vent and it almost makes the problem worse than just being able to kind of decipher what is actually going on. And that's the that can be the the trouble with that story you just named, that poor woman probably reached out to her network on, hey, how do I think about this? And it created a cascade of negative reputation that she couldn't get out of. Um, I just want to crawl through the screen and give you the biggest hug, Lizzie. You're right. You know, and if you're like me, and you probably are if you're in sales, you verbally process, right? So like I like to talk through things. And I have a trusted group of peeps that I can do that with. But sometimes, especially when I'm not even sure of how I'm feeling and I'm talking about it, then people assume what the deal is and it's not even the deal. Yeah. And then I have to backtrack my way out of the deal and it's like, oh, damn it. Like, what did I just do? The one thing I want to call out a little bit, like, and it's going to be hard for both of you to hear. You're going to be like, wait, what is this? And I promise I'm not trying to stir a pot. But this has happened a lot. This is like a theme that I'm noticing. So both of you work at the same place. Both of you are friends. Lizzie, you were just like, sometimes I want to call Daisy and just be like, what the hang? You both are independent, smart, talented, accomplished people. And you're not the same person. And I find there's a there's an interesting thing where I meet a lot of people that work together. And then they become really tight and then they start doing things like you're doing the podcast, you're working together, you're probably doing other things together and your friends. But remember, you're not a package deal, ladies. You're two independent people. So Daisy's experience versus yours, Lizzie, or vice versa, they will be different. And I, I literally had this conversation with a dear friend. They worked together. They were dear friends. Things started happening. They're not such great friends uh -huh. anymore. And they were a package deal and people looked at them as the same person. And so opportunities change because if the other person screws up, you're associated with that person. Know that you can still be friends. You can still do this podcast. You can still do whatever you do together, but know that you got to stand firm on your own two feet to be your own person while you're doing those things. So totally. not saying that there's problems with either one of you or that you're, you guys are having some sort of friction but this has been something that I've seen a lot, specifically every time it's with women. And I don't I know what that is. That. Like I haven't, you're just sparking uh, this. So I haven't had a lot of time. I'm literally talking about this out loud for the first time. No, so. I, I, I have no. a lot of theories on it too. Go ahead, Daisy. I was, no, I was about to ask like, is it just that you see this with women? And I think that's because just off like, I guess my first thought is just we're more social interconnected beings maybe and we just need that connection and like almost like partnership support at work sometimes and just like in our professional endeavors and one thing that we talk about a lot is just how much how differently we like have to work through our emotions about our jobs and the way that we can't compartmentalize things a lot the way that we have like bigger emotional reactions to things than you know, when I talk to some of my male coworkers, we just don't have that bond as much because often if I like truly, you know, break down and cry and, and just have all of my emotions kind of flood out about 
how work has been after it builds up for a while, which often happens, you know, like they're like, oh, maybe you should just like find a different career because this is like a lot <laughs> and you seem like crazy right now. You know what I mean? And so then you find your your female coworkers who you have a lot of, I don't know, connection with or you share a lot of their viewpoints and you just have a connection and then you you form that bond with them because you feel like you can really be yourself and talk to them about everything that other people would be like, wow, that's that's too much. You know, this is a lot. So I think my that's just my take on why that happens. But I th- I've definitely seen it a lot where, you know, we have sort of a dependency or something on, you know, one of our female coworkers. So yeah, I I definitely could see that. Well, you can have that. You can totally have that, Daisy. You just have to have boundaries, mm-hmm. right? And and by the way, I've been lucky enough where I have those relationships with men at work where I can cry or I can be like, oh, and they swoop up in a very different way, but they swoop up and there's no like dismissing or being like, you should just give up and find I mean, I don't, I would love to know that gentleman that said that to you, but like, you know, it's just, it's, it's interesting where I don't know what it is, but I do know in both situations or, well, there's been more than two, but I'm thinking about two specifically because they're very recent. It's then girl on girl crime. And sometimes yeah. as much as we're all talking about women rallying together and being really supportive of each other. And I saw this a lot coming up through the ranks because there were a lot less of us coming up through the ranks when I was growing up in sales, that there was a threat. And it's like, it, it gets nasty. Like, <laughs> You know, like just. It couldn't be more accurate. I kind of want to reach out through the screen and hug you because the whole reason (laughs) I started Women in Sales, I started it when I was I was living in New York for ten years, working in different roles of business development and partnerships and sales. The only women at the top were ones that were out for each other, like out to get each other. There were no other women promoting another woman, and I was it hit this point where I was at an investment bank making the most money I've had in my career. And the one female boss I had was not, did not want to promote my career growth whatsoever. And I was looking at my boyfriend at the time and my brothers and a lot of um, male people that were super close to me have this really integral network that was helping them grow and advance and get to that next level. And I just said, fuck this. Like, I'm going to create something. And so I made this women in sales community that comes together and we have events that are both virtual and person and a Slack channel and really just to help each other. And same with the idea for this podcast that that Daisy made as part of women in sales is like, what what is happening in the workforce that something happens with these women, we're like, oh, there can only be one of us. There can't be more. Or, you know, if this, and, and you know, what's scary. I am this believer of it, but sometimes I feel it like, cause I'm such a competitive go-getter that I sometimes have this horrible voice that I have to be like, shut, shut up. Uh, say, oh, I, I need to be the best. They can't, there can only be me. Like I can't have another female take my spot. It's a it's weird. 
Well, I think, um, so first of all, give yourself a little bit of grace. The fact that you even know that about yourself means that you won't be that person because you know that about yourself and you're like, I know when it comes up and it makes me feel this way and that's a signal. So look, I've had that same feeling about anybody, Martian, male, female. I don't care. I'm like, I'm going to take all you mofos down. Like I literally have been that person. And at that stage in my career, that's when I was promoted. I was a puppy. I had no business being a people leader and I was horrible. And so I took a time out (laughs) uh, by my own design. I was like, look, I'm, I, this is not good. I don't like this. These people don't like me. I don't, I don't really like them. Yeah. And I don't like this work. And so I went back to individual contribution and enterprise sales. And I grew up because people leadership is all about, you know, that word people. Yeah. 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 But I, I think those are normal emotions. So like, here's the thing about feelings. We all have them and sometimes they're not great. It's what we do with them. And so I think that's really cool, Lizzie, that you're like, wait, hold on. That's, I don't love this about myself. It's coming up. Hold on. Wait, stop. And, and stopping it, it's when it doesn't happen or you don't even realize it or you don't care. And I think a lot of the time when I see this happening with like women and women, it's like that scarcity versus abundance mindset. I see it a lot with content too, where it's like, I need to be the thought leader, which I hate that term. And it's like, lots of people have thoughts, lots of people are leaders and lots of people use their voices. If you talk from yourself, your point of view, your experience, your um, ideas, whatever it might be, and it's rooted in who you really are and you do it in a real way, like attracts like, and there will be a lot of somebodies for that. There's no way that you can be something for everybody. And the same thing with our careers. Like, look, especially in bigger companies, like Camp is a big company. There are going to be more than one sales leader and there's room for everybody. And if there isn't, maybe not the great place for you. And that's cool, you know, but I like that. First of all, it's hard to bring that up to be like, I've thought about that. No lie. Like that's been me. Same. And it's not even female to female. It's like everybody, like I'm going to crush all of you mofos and I'm going to dominate this mode. Like that's fuck everyone. I'm going to win. Yes. I've had that. (laughs) And then somewhere along the way I grew up and I stopped it. And that doesn't mean that it doesn't creep. Sometimes it creeps. And I'm like, why? That's the signal to be like, why is this happening? Like, what am I? And nine times out of 10, like seriously, Lizzie, nine times out and Daisy, but, but I feel like Lizzie and I are talking about this because she brought it up. So Daisy and and, and the listeners, anybody <laughs> out of this as well, the world, the world, world <laughs> domination. But like anytime it comes up and I start thinking about it, it's my own nonsense. Like it's something that I need to work on. Totally. So it's just You're- weird how that where it's like, I know I'm good at what I do and you can be confident in that. But that doesn't mean at the expense of anybody else. And if I start feeling like that, it usually means that I've messed up. Like it's always a mistake that I've made. And I'm like, I don't want to like be, I don't want to not be successful. And that has nothing to do with anybody else. It's my own nonsense. Like what? Come on. A story that you've created for yourself that actually has no validity in the reality that you're in. Amen, sister. Why do you think I journal every day? Yeah. Meditation. No, that's a really good practice. I'm a big runner. Daisy also finds 
um, solace in like her body. I, I mean, this is going to go on such a philosophical tangent, but I think the body is more intelligent than the mind. And if you can get into it, it will scream at you what you what you need or what is going on. It's just really hard to get there when you're going off on a tangent in your mind. You bring up something really interesting, Lizzie. My husband yesterday was tinkering around in our garage and something fell on him and he thought he sliced off his finger. And so we had to go to the emergency room. So on Memorial Day, we were in the the ER. Oh, no. He's fine. He had one stitch. Oh, the husband. (laughs) 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 But we're sitting in the emergency room and this nurse, like she was so lovely. Like she was just like, you know, like you're working on a holiday. It's a beautiful day here. Like the last thing you want to do is be dealing with like some sick folk. But there she is in the emergency room. Lovely, lovely, lovely. And she said something because my husband like went into like shock a little bit and your adrenaline's pumping, right? So like your mind hasn't even connected with your body and your body has these natural ways of pain killing almost, i.e. adrenaline. And it was starting to kind of even out. And she was like, if you listen to it, the body will be talking to you. And what you just said is totally true. Like there are all sorts of natural receptors that we have. It's just whether we pay attention to them or not. Yeah. How do you drop into it to listen Too sometimes as as a high achiever and if you're in the zone of like, I'm going to win, I'm going to crush, I'm going to go full steam ahead. You are literally having a physical reaction that you have not been able to drop into to hear. And like, if you can just get out of that moment, whether for me, it's running, if I can go on a run, put my music in one mile in, my body will start being like, you haven't slept or you need to stop working or you need to focus on this one deal and nothing else. Whatever it is, it it speaks. Daisy, yeah. what do you do? I do a mix of meditation. I also journal. I have a coach, which really helps me because I think I also verbally process. And so talking to her, I can kind of get everything out and just focus on yeah, what I want. And I think meditating helps with that as well. And just like listening to what's going right, what's going wrong. So yeah, just a mix of of everything. But we're definitely very into self-care and, and things like that. I'm very into just trying out different different things. I even do this thing called, well, Gabby Bernstein. I'm not sure if you've read any of her books, but she's it's kind of all like manifesting the universe, things like that. Um, oh, I'm in the Reiki. So I, I go see a Reiki. I, I'm not reading anything. I go to my Reiki master and I'm like, okay, just let's let's do this thing. So yes, yes. That, I right want to try that. Do you like Does it? That help? Yes. Obviously you wouldn't do it if it didn't. What do they do exactly? Shift yeah, energy? So every – I've been to three Reiki masters. I got into it three years ago. Like I actually – more than three years ago, like right before in 2019, like April 2019, however long ago that is. I don't know. I lost track of time. I'm not sure when that was, but that's- 2022. I know. <laughs> so Halfway weird. there, what? So <laughs> when I think about like the first person that I found and I did Reiki with, she was very, very different than the second person. And now I have this third person who's like, just like, 
they were all good. They were just different. And so sometimes they touch you, sometimes they don't. Sometimes you're setting an intention of what you want to work on and that's the thing that you focus on. Sometimes you just go and you say, if sometimes even though I'll set an intention, sometimes I'm like, I don't want to set any intention. I just know that I'm like wound up and I don't really know what it is. So I just want to like lay here and you do you. And it's interesting because it is about, so you have seven chakras and they all carry different energy sources and it's about clearing out that energy and getting back to yourself and centering yourself with, with good energy, right? Because I find like, I think about it visually where it's like, I have plugged my cords of energy into other people that have no business getting my energy. So I got to take that back and bring it back to me with love and light. And then (laughs) for those that have attached their cords onto me, I can't take on everybody's energy. Mm -hmm. So, and it doesn't mean that I'm mad at you. It doesn't mean that there's a problem. It means that that's not sustainable for any one person. So I got to send your energy back to you, unplug from it. And it's just about being healthy of self internally to just not get so wound up bad energy, stressful energy, like that stuff can actually hurt you. It manifests into disease or into other things. So like that's, and people are like, you're so weird. No, I'm not. Mercury's in retrograde right now. Is anybody feeling like stuff is weird right now? Yes, because Mercury is in retrograde. So like- always in retrograde? It feels like it's always in retrograde. It, it has felt that way for the last two years, hasn't it? Um, yeah. But no, we're in the second cycle <laughs> of 2022. But I- I that's- I'm into the into the Reiki for sure. No, we, so we love that. That's definitely our vibe as well. And also just realizing now that a perfect example of what we were talking about with our body is when you asked me that, I suddenly got very uncomfortable and sort of like tense, almost like I'm uncomfortable maybe talking about myself and my, I don't know, vulnerable habits and practices or something like that. So I just thought that was very interesting, but I definitely want to uh, try the Reiki now. You're kind of selling me on it. Daisy, did you feel weird? Okay. So you felt like a response, but as I was saying, like I do Reiki and I, I could care less about what anybody thinks about that. Did it make you feel differently then once it was validated that like you're not alone yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and just like yeah, witches brew, Daisy makes witches brew. I think, yeah, I think it's just the vulnerability <laughs> of of that. Just I don't it's know. Happening in real time, ladies, powerful. Well, and here's <laughs> the deal: if anybody listens to this and wants to come to me and say you do Reiki and you're a weirdo, then you're not my people. No, thank you. dot com. Keep it moving. I, yeah. I will I will unplug from that red energy with light and love and say peace. Like seriously. That yeah. is the hard part about being open, especially on a podcast where you don't know who's listening or what they might be thinking about. But there is one thing that I've worked a lot on is being very resolved of myself. And for meditation, I've struggled with that for years. I've wanted to do it. I have the call map and I listen to sleep stories. That's like the like closest thing that I can get to. And the like music to put me to sleep, like the Post Malone yeah. rendition of circles in the call map is amazing. But like, you know, it's, it's, it's that kind of thing that I'm, that's as close as I can get to. But I have read a lot about TM. Is that the kind of meditation that you're doing? Because that's like a whole thing that I need to get into. 
So I use the Superhuman app, which is a lot more guided. It's a lot more like there are tons and tons of options. So they have affirmations, manifestations, walking meditations, exercising meditations, shopping, cleaning, all of those types of things. That's why I do it because I can't sit and do one. I'll sit and do a five minute just to kind of recalibrate legs up the wall meditation. A lot of it is speaking out things that will help almost reprogram your subconscious to be more positive, to have a better outlook, which is how I kind of view it as opposed to just TM, which, you know, a lot of people do, a lot of very successful people do, but I think is very difficult. Um, And I thought it was, I think Tim Ferriss on his podcast one time said, because I remember because I was like struggling with TM trying to do that. He said, you know, I've found in all of my guests that men really like TM and women like more of a guided sort of experience. Mm -hmm. And that's just like a weird you know, pattern that I've seen emerge. So I think, I don't know, the superhuman app just really has helped me, you know, get into different kinds of meditations, not be so like boxed in. It's literally like all the people that I know that do TM, they're all men. You're Mm -hmm. that's an interesting observation. Yeah. Yeah. Because he always said, you know, 90% of the people I interview on here do some form of meditation if it's running or if it's, you know, journaling or if it's something else, but TM seems to be just a predominantly male thing, which is, so then I was like, ah, okay, now I'll give, I'll get, try something else that makes me feel better. <laughs> I'm going to have to, hold on, I'm going to pull up my thing here. Superhuman. All right. I'm looking. Yeah. There we go. It's, See, it's very good. Okay, actionable. I'm here for this. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to try the Reiki. Try the Reiki. And if you like, I just pulled it up here. Superhuman meditations. Is that what this is? Yeah. Does it look is like this? A superhuman app. Yeah. Is it this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. It's like that, like, all right. Get, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to get it right now. But you know, the thing <laughs> uh, that I also found, have you heard of the I am app? If you mm-hmm. like manifestations, like committing verbally, like I am worthy, I am going to do I whatever it is. You'll like that app. Okay. I'll get that one. So. Because I do a lot of the affirmations and stuff now too because of the superhuman mostly and and definitely helps a lot. Wait. So I want to ask because I know we're we're running into time, but I do want to ask. Yeah. (laughs) No, I love it. I love it. Um, But I want to take it and use it for kind of one more question to you, Amy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you've figured out tools uh, to help you in your career. A, have you? When kind of did you start to go down the road of needing outside resources to better yourself? And B, how do you think that's helped you as a people manager? Mm. I can tell you <laughs> when I did this, I was in my thirties, and my early thirties and there was, I hadn't, what's that? You both are in your early thirties. Okay. Well, thirties. <laughs> here you go. Here, here we, here we are. That's when I had, cause I think like in my twenties, my twenties, it's like, that was me just trying to like figure out what I was even doing with myself. Like I had no idea 
what I was even doing with myself. I mean, I knew I got into sales. I was thrown into the deep end. That was cool. I liked it. And that was good. And that served me really well. But like really connecting with myself and listening to myself, I didn't start doing that until my 30s. And so it's like, okay, well, now I know what I like to do. Now what? And every decade has like a different theme, I find, as you look in the rearview mirror. Um, and so it was actually in 2009. And what what prompted it really had nothing to do with work. It had a lot to do with stuff that was happening in my family and um, me reacting in a different way than I'd ever reacted and being like, whoa, this isn't me. Like what? I don't normally respond this way. What is that? And so long story short, uh, I found a therapist. She's still my therapist. Like literally she is like my person. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes we go for a few months and we don't talk. And sometimes we go every week. And right now I'm on like a biweekly thing because I'm like, okay, so, you know, these are, these are observations that I'm having and I want to get clarity on this stuff. And I do believe that therapy is the best gift I ever gave myself. And I wish I would have done it when I was a kid, let alone wait till my thirties. So to answer your question, that then there, (laughs) it took me a year to even figure out that it was all connected and, and what it all was connected. What was that? What were those, what were those connective tissue items? And then that's mind blowing because it is all connected. So like, that's the first realization. Then the second realization is, and how, and that's like, whoa. So that, that happened then. And literally it's like, I, it's every part of my life. So how did it then make me a better people leader? Was that the second part of the question? Mm -hmm. Because when you're good for yourself, you can be good to everybody else. When your cup is empty, there's no way that you can give to anybody else. And, and I think for a long time, I, I mean, I grew up in a lineage of entrepreneurs and sales folk and sales minded folk and old school mentality of like, to get ahead, it has to be all about you and don't share what makes you good to anybody else and da, 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 da. And I had to undo a lot of that wiring. And I think from the time that I was right around like my mid thirties, to now, I've really leaned into, it's bigger than me. And I mean, it's one of the reasons why Scott and I do Thursday night sales. Um, There's something about where we are in our careers and paying that forward and watching people actually show up, first of all, is crazy, like, wow, to show up and then to actually lean in and then to actually take the advice and to apply it and to come back and talk about it. And then we learn because we hear about how they're using it, right? So like, you know, Daisy, you're talking about the way you meditate. And I'm like, well, what what are you doing? And this and that. And I'm like, oh, I know affirmations. I have a separate app. And you turn me on to something new. Like, how cool is that that we're talking about what we do, but we each got a different page of it to keep it going in an iterative way. And I think because my mind my mindset shifted of it's not just about me and my bits and pieces that are not always great. Like I have um, fight or flight that can set in and I haven't always given myself or others the grace of the benefit of the doubt. And learning that was a game changer. And I think that is what makes me a better anything that I do, let alone if it's leading anybody, right? So for whatever that's worth. It's worth a lot. 
you and all of us, I think the theme of this episode is know thy worth. We have a lot. <laughs> Lead with Listen love. to thyself to understand thy worth. <laughs> so that is that going to be like the... <laughs> you are Aphrodite. Don't forget. <laughs> oh, yes. So when people think of me, they think about sex. That scares me, Lizzie. Don't do that. Don't say that. <laughs> love and light. You still sex symbol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then we all woke up. Um, but I want to love and light. <laughs> oh my God. Well, this love and light. Amazing. Thank you so much. I know we're like right on time and number one rule of sales, don't go over someone's time, but this has been <laughs> incredible. Thank you so much for coming on and thank we you. will uh, share this with you when it's live. But um, I hope you have a great rest of your week and we and will be reaching out soon. soon. <laughs> Thank you, gals. Well, I appreciate both of you. This was fun. I didn't even know what we would be talking about. And here we are talking about stuff I didn't even expect. Um, I hope it was helpful. And if any of you listening, if you're still recording or just for you two, if you want to talk about any of this stuff that we talked about, my hotline's always on. You gals are lovely. So whatever I can do to be helpful, let me know. You're amazing. And vice versa, you know, Thanks. in case we can offer anything as well. Better together better together. So, yeah. um, all right. Have a good rest of your week. Thank you for having me. And, uh, I can't wait to listen to it. Yeah. Of sweaty course. palms, sweaty yeah. palms. I'm like, oh, what are you going to do with the Reiki part? <laughs> there we go. All right, y'all. Thank you so Bye, much. Amy. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much. <laughs>